coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on the 31st of December, 2023. Lifestyles of a Healthy Body. So have you seen the ads? You know, like for Planet Fitness, you know, you have to pay as a buck, and you get a whole month worth of going in and torturing yourself. But you want to do it because it's the first of the year and, you know, you've made some commitments to get into shape. And after the first episode, you go, I don't really want to drive that far. Yeah, it is sort of like that is sometimes. So I thought with it, the end of the year and start of the new year that uh, we'd talk about Lifestyles of a healthy body. How's that? So don't go back in the kitchen and get anything off the counter there. It's probably not fitting and appropriate. No. We're going to talk about something different than going to Planet Fitness and getting our bodies exercised. Because the Bible talks about a different body altogether. And seeing as how we're mostly believers here, this one is going to be for us in the body of Christ. We have a few principles that we want to put forth. And, and these are going to be, you're going to go, I know this. What are you giving me this for? I know this. But we'll, hopefully we'll make some application. The first principle, and Tom read about it in 1 Corinthians 12, it says there is a spiritual body, not just a physical body, but a spiritual body with Jesus Christ as head. Okay, there's a spiritual body with Jesus Christ as head. Paul refers to this in Ephesians, the first chapter, when he says, he, the Father, has put all things under his, Jesus' feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so, Scripture uses this picture of a spiritual body to describe the church. Now, he uses lots of different pictures. He talks about a building and, and other things like that, but he talks about the body and he mentions it several times in scripture. And we want to then focus on that spiritual body. But the analogy is a clear one to us because we think in terms of a physical body, we can relate then to the spiritual arrangement Now we know people who have gone to war or been in an accident, maybe lost a limb. But it's pretty hard if you lose the head. You're not going to function too well. And we sort of snicker at that because we go, yeah, yeah, that's really <laughs> a really important ingredient. We know of people who are quadriplegic. Don't have any arms, don't have any legs, yet they're a person. That head is vital, though. 
The, the head gives direction. It coordinates the whole of the body. And scripture says there is a spiritual body then, and Jesus Christ is head. In Ephesians 4, he is describing this union, and without going into the larger portion of the passage, we'll focus on the head part, where it says in Ephesians 4, Rather, speaking the truth in love, that's talking about how we interact with one another, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. If there was a mistake as to who that was. It says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is, it is, which is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And you say, okay, Pastor, this is pretty basic stuff. I mean, we've talked about body of Christ before. We've talked about Jesus Christ being head. Why is that important? Because it comes down to when push comes to shove. When we start talking about the church and the description is used of the head, who's the head of the church? Well, I can tell you some, someone that yet it isn't. That's the pastor. Not the pastor. It's talking about Jesus Christ being the head. He's the one who is Lord over all. So the second point then follows in kind. It says, believers have been placed in this spiritual body with Christ's head and given different functions. Okay? Different functions. And, and Tom was reading about that. He was talking in 1 Corinthians 12 there where there's arms and there's legs, there's feet, there's eyes, there's hear, hearing with the ears, and all those things. There's different elements in the body, and they all have different functions. And you go, okay, I, yeah, I get that. He said, well, that's important as we look at this idea of the spiritual body. Because we say, and as, we, as Tom read, there is really no unimportant part every part is important now some of you have been long enough here with me that you've heard this illustration before but you can bear with it I guess on this last day of the year how many are a sweat gland for Jesus you go, what was that? No, we're not talking about the air. We're talking about being a sweat gland for Jesus. We go, you mean that part that stinks when we exercise? Yeah. What does a sweat gland do? Helps cool your body. Helps cool your body down. No professional athlete is going to be able to participate in a sport without a good set of sweat glands. The sweat glands are going to cool the body 
help regulate the heat of the body so the body can continue to function. So we would say, who, who wants to get rid of sweat glands? Well, I can tell you there's a lot of manufacturers who make deodorant and antiperspirants that says, no, we don't want to get rid of those. We want to keep making our product. But the point is, we need them. Now, there, as I said, who, who wants to be a sweat gland for Jesus? Nobody really wants to be a sweat gland for Jesus. But believers have been placed in the spiritual body and been given different functions. He talks about that as different members with the things that they do. What does an eye do? An eye is different than a tongue, which is different than a toe. These are all different, but they all have different roles to play as well. They're not only different one from the other, but they're different as to what they do. And you go, so what's the big deal here? He said, well, I want you to know that if you're a believer, God has already placed you within the body of Christ. And you have a strategic role in making that body function as it should. Where do you get your instructions? Where do you get your guidance? We already talked about that. You get that from Jesus, the head. The head gives direction to the whole body. The head then says, this is the way we're going. This is what we're going to do. Now, feet, you got a job to do. Eyes, you watch out for anything in the way. And that inner ear, you got to keep this whole thing upright, you know. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 18 through 20, But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Now, so there's a couple truths, sub-truths under here. First of all, we didn't get to pick what part we were. God was the one who placed us in the body and gave the gift to us to minister. Listen to some of these descriptions in Romans and not only the member, but what they do. In Romans chapter 12, verses 8, 4 through 8, it says, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, in other words, God graciously placed us within the body, didn't leave anybody out, didn't say, ah, oh, you're not important, we can, you know, we can live without you. He says, having gifts that differ according to grace given to us, let us use them. In other words, the design of God was to place us in the body of Christ and that we should then function as we were designed. If in prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. One who teaches, in his teaching. 
to the one who exhorts in his exhortation, to the one who contributes in generosity, to the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We all then have different gifts, and they, they function differently, each one with a unique function and perspective, which leads to some serious problems. What are those problems? Well, if I'm an eye, I'm not too big in walking. But I'm going to tell you how, where things are. And so the different members of the body may look at things completely different. And because you have been gifted as a believer in Christ to function with your unique gift, you're going to come with a unique perspective to the world around you and the ministry of the, of the body of Christ the church. I'll give you an, idea, an example. Years ago, we had a man, I won't give you his name, who's gone to glory now, but he came in one Sunday and he goes, Pastor, um, you know, that area between the, the set of steps in the front is looking pretty shabby. It's, it's not looking very good. And they go, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Next week, he came up to me and he goes, Pastor, you know that area between the steps? It, it, it's looking pretty shabby. And I go, oh, well, uh, I guess you're right. The third week, he came up to me. You know where this is going, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he came up to me and he goes, Pastor, that area between the, the steps is looking pretty shabby. And I turn to her and I go, you know, I think the Lord has laid that on your heart. I think that the Lord has given you an assignment that maybe you ought to take care of that. He didn't come up to me a fourth week. The point is, the Lord has given us different giftedness and different perspectives on things. And what that does is that gives us an opportunity to minister in lots of different <coughs> excuse me, lots of different ways. And somebody may see something and then wonder why in the world doesn't everybody see this? That's because they're seeing it from their perspective. Now, I'll give you an example. See right here this, this nice display? There was a time when we had a center display and a couple candles on either side. Okay? And just to mess with somebody, I won't say who, Mike, but just to mess with somebody, I took one of those and moved it over here. So now the whole table was out of balance. 
It wasn't long before that candle moved back into position. <laughs> because with a particular vision towards how things ought to, ought to be, that one candle was in the wrong position and needed to be over there. Now me, I could have left the candle there for forever. But for some of you, that was not going to happen at all. Okay? And you go, is something as simple as candle being not in balance with the rest of the table would get somebody to say, no, that needs to be fixed. And others, <coughs> not paying any attention to it, oh yeah, there's a display up there, but not really concerned about whether it was in balance or not, shows you that we come with, with a simple, different understanding of how things ought to be. Now you multiply that with all the different kinds of giftedness we have, and all the positions who put it, who were put into the body of Christ by Christ so that the body could fully function with all these different perspectives. Is that going to create some tension sometimes? Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> So what is a believer to do? We'll come to the third point. Believers are to respond to the head in loving devotion. They're to respond to the head in loving devotion. We answer to the Lord. You say, well, Pastor, shouldn't we answer to one another? First, we answer to the Lord. How do we answer to the Lord? We respond in love. He loved us. We respond in love. When the teachers were asking Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said in Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. You know, well, to love God. You say, well, where are you going with this, Pastor? Well, if you look at the first point, there's a spiritual body with Jesus Christ as head. The second point, we've been placed within this body by, the, by our Lord. We've been placed in a spiritual body and given different functions within the body. What happens when there's tension? Do we run to the Lord first? We answer to him. Are we checking out our own attitudes, our own actions, and saying, Lord, is this pleasing to you? Is this honoring to you? That should be our concern. That should be our concern. 
I've, sh I've shared this with you before. Jerry Cook, who was a pastor over in Gresham area, wrote a book, Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness. And in that illustration, and I've used this illustration because it's so good. He came in one, one day during the week into the office. And the church was had some staff there, some associate pastors and some secretaries and, and different ones that were there. And when he came in, he said, I could almost feel the tension. <laughs> and, he, and he goes, I wonder what's going on. I wonder what's going on. He came in and finally one of the guys pulled him over and he goes, the two secretaries here, they're at each other's throat. You need to fix it. And he goes, yeah, that's a favorite job. That's one I can tell you they don't train you for in seminary. So he went into his office and a moment later he called the two ladies in. You know what he said? And it was brilliant, I thought. He turned to the ladies and he says, both of you answer to the same Lord. I'm going to leave and you work it out with him. And he walked out. And he says, after an appropriate amount of time, he says, they came out hanging on each other, loving on each other. Why? Because they, it wasn't a matter of them winning something. It was answering to the Lord. Do we love the Lord? Do we answer to the Lord? If we want a healthy body, then the members who are part of that body answer to the Lord. Paul gave us an illustration about something that we would maybe think is minor, is not really having to do with salvation or eternal destiny or something. It was talking about meat offered to idols. And in Romans 14, he, he talks about that and says, within the body of Christ, believers have different attitudes towards different things. And in Romans 14, if you want to turn there, Romans 14 Paul deals with this subject of how we deal with one another within the body of Christ. And in Romans 14, verses 5 and following, he says this. One person esteems one day as better than another. So what's the best day of the week? It's Sunday, right? Has to be Sunday, right? Diane comes to me usually as Friday or Saturday, and she goes... Well, is your message ready? And I said, by Tuesday it will be. <laughs> one person esteems one day better than another. Another esteem, esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. And who, is he con who convinces them? In relationship to the Lord. Listen to this. One who observes the day, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. Since he gives thanks to God, 
while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. So we see the relationship then to our Lord. Our principal concern is, do we love the Lord who placed us within the body of Christ? He says, the first commandment is, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Are we thinking his thoughts? Do we have his mind? Are we matching his character? And is that our concern? We can get so caught up in our particular little tiny world that we forget that we are in union with the head, Jesus Christ. And we answer to him. By the way, it's what makes for a godly marriage, by the way. It says, because if we understand that there's not two in this marriage, but there's three in this marriage, it goes a long way. Why? Because if it's just two, then one is going to be fighting for superiority over the other. But if there's three, and we realize that the Lord is head of the family. Then the appeal to the other two is what does the Lord say about this? What does the Lord say about this? And if that's true in a marriage, it's also true within the body of Christ in general. So we said there's a spiritual body with Christ as a head, and the believers have been placed in the body and been given particular gifts and then our response to the head should be one of love. Guess what our response to other believers is? Likewise, love to them as well. Believers respond to each other in loving, mutual support. If the body is going to grow, we need each other. If the body is going to grow... We need to be, not only need each other, we need to be positively encouraging one another, loving one another. As Matthew said in Matthew 22, the second is like the first commandment, you love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, as he's coming to the end of his ministry, he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, John 13, 34 and 35, just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. By this, all men, all people, will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And you go, that's such a sweet verse. No. 
that's a bucking bronco that you just climbed onto. And you go, what are you talking about, Pastor? I said, okay. He was telling the disciples, the world will look at the as you disciples, and you will they will get a good picture of what the church is all about. Okay? And you go, yeah, well. So who is part of that disciple group? Well, the one that is most thorny, I imagine, to the disciples was Matthew. Who is Matthew? Well, he, he wrote one of our Gospels. But before he was called, he was a what? A tax collector. And of course... They were high up on the list of Christmas cards that all the other Jews sent. Oh, let's send a card to, to Zacchaeus. Let's send a, a Christmas card to Matthew. They are so beloved. No. You didn't have anything to do with those guys. They were despised. They were traitors. They worked for Rome. And then Jesus goes, you want to have a little fun within the body? I'm going to call Matthew and make him part of the disciple group. <laughs> and by the way, everyone's going to know that you're my disciple by how you love Matthew. Well, that's not fair, God. <laughs> You know what Matthew is? Do you know what he's done? Yeah. But you don't understand what I'm doing. I said, if you can love Matthew, you will prove to the world that this church, this body of Christ is unique because the world would treat Matthew and Zacchaeus, the way you're inclined to, to treat him. Ooh. In fact, this, this is so critical. Did you pay attention when you last read 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter? And it says, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but, but don't have love, I'm just a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith, so as to move mountains, but I don't have love, I am a zero nothing. But I give away all I have and I deliver my body to be burned and have not love. I gain nothing. What do you mean? If you were to offer your body up and it was to be burned at the stake or <coughs> as many of the martyrs were and yet I don't have love in my heart. 
I got nothing out of that. Believers respond to each other in loving, mutual support. By the way, do you have a hard time doing evangelism? You know, you know, if you want to lay a guilt trip on the church, just to say, how are you doing with your evangelism? And people go, oh, pastor, I wish you wouldn't get off that topic. I'm not really good at that. I'm not very bold. And I, I don't really want to go stand on the corner <laughs> and say, turn or burn. I don't want to do any of that. You say, do you know what your greatest witness is? Not with standing on the corner. It's loving Matthew. All men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And that's loving Matthew and loving the Zacchaeuses of the world. And by the way, that means also loving those Romans when they come to Christ and they're part of the church family. And they're brought into the body of Christ. You go, who can trust a Roman? And I said, well, maybe not, but can you trust a Roman convert who's now a fellow believer in Christ? Well, I'm going to be pretty suspicious. Well, the Lord says, love them. Love them. See, the hard, the hard work is the hard work. And the hard work is taking us out of our comfort zone and saying, I need to answer to my Lord. And I need to love him as my response. And I know that I'm in the body of Christ to minister his will and to edify the body, build up the body of Christ. And in order to do that, the core of that is to love them. And what do we say already? And here you can see how this sort of fits together. If you see things a particular way and the believer down the row from you sees them a different way and the person next to that person sees it a different way, then you already have three points of view. And the Lord says, okay, you got to love each one of those. They're a strategic part within the body of Christ. They're going to minister to you, and they answer to him as you answer to him, and you love them. If there isn't a lot to unpack there, I don't know what is. And you say, so how do we do this? You say, first of all, I think we go to the Lord. We say, Lord, if I've been operating as a believer, but sort of doing my own thing and, and 
not considering your input into my life, I've been uh, out of sorts. What part of the body is going to function well if it's not connected to the head? It's not. And then if I've been placed within the body, I have giftedness. The second question that I need to ask myself is, have I identified my own giftedness? What things give me pleasure? What gives me delight? What things get my juices going? What kind of things do I have zeal for? It might be a talent. It might be some sort of, of gift. But I can bring that to the table and minister to the body of Christ. There's really no option not to be participating. And I don't mean everyone should have a job in the church. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is that you use your giftedness to minister to the body of Christ in whatever way the Lord has given you. Someone says, well, how do I discover my spiritual gift? Well, I've got a, I've got a six-week program for you to discover your spiritual gift. Should I offer it starting next week? How many want me to do that? Nobody. So I guess you all know your spiritual gift. Then just get with it. No, I don't have a six-week class. But I can tell you, you probably already know your spiritual gift. What, what brings you joy? What brings you light? What things bother you that you have to fix? <laughs> How can you minister to the body of Christ? How can you encourage? And don't be surprised if the thing that drives you doesn't drive the believer beside you. <laughs> Why? We have a different gift in this. When my friend kept saying, you know, that area between the porches, it was really bugging him. And I could have said, well, okay, I'll, I'll find some time this week and go and fix it. That isn't really what needed to happen. He needed to take the first step. Now, if you wanted to list somebody else, that's fine. But he needed to do it. It was laid on his heart to do it. It wasn't laid on my heart. How many of you came this morning with a message to give and you go, oh, man, I wish pastor was sick so I could get up there and preach? Well, maybe not, right? Although my wife and daughter could have said, well, I could have given this message because you gave that one back. <laughs> no. Got to know one another. Got to share out of the abundance of your heart. What has the Lord laid on your heart? They've been hesitant to do something because, well, there's no official job for that or I don't know how to go about that. Why don't you just stick your hand in the air and go, would you pray that I discover how I can use my spiritual gift? Would you ask with me for the Lord? I mean, he gave you the job. 
He placed you in the body of Christ. You're to function there. And you say, Lord, I'm, I need to be functioning. What do I do? How do I do it? And don't look for just the list that's found in Scripture of the gifts that are mentioned there. There's more body parts in the human body than are mentioned in Scripture. Ears, eyes, feet, etc. There's many more like being a sweat gland. There's many more functions than are mentioned in Scripture that the Lord could have put his hand on you and said, this is your role. This is how you need the function. And you go, well, what will that look like? I said, I don't know. But the Lord will show you. He says, if any of you lack wisdom in James, the first chapter, if any of you lack wisdom, you just don't throw up your hands, what do you do? It says you ask God, who gives to all liberally and upbraideth not, I like the King James there, upbraideth not. He says, doesn't get on your case because you didn't do anything before now. He says, if you, if you lack wisdom, ask. Ask. Lifestyles of a healthy body. Recognizing that we're in a spiritual body with Christ as the head. Recognizing that we've been placed there and we have different functions. Realizing our response to the head is one of loving devotion, following that head. And our response to one another is mutual love and support. Lifestyles, a healthy body, Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that each one of us is significant to you. We know that because your Son came and died for each one of us. And then beyond that, you took the great pleasure of placing us within the body of Christ and giving us a function so that we can mutually minister to one another. And in our mutual ministry, then be an example of a whole body who follows the head, and that becomes a testimony to those outside. Heavenly Father, may we be about your business. We ask this in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.